near-death experience podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side, and the musician of the album Home, both of which can be found on our website, neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. Today we're going to share the experience of Gerald from enderf.org. Gerald says, I was homeless, living in a small country church parking lot in my 27-foot travel trailer with my wife, teenage daughter, and 12-year-old son, while I was trying to secure employment to get us a home. On Easter Sunday, I experienced some discomfort in my chest while climbing into bed. After I let my wife know that the pain was radiating down my arm, I decided we needed to get to the hospital. I dressed and walked to the parking lot where my 1976 Chevy pickup was parked, thinking that I could drive myself. When I reached the truck, I doubled over in pain. I realized that I needed an ambulance. I reached for my cell phone and called 911 to dispatch the ambulance. Upon arrival to the emergency room, I was rushed into the cardiac treatment unit and placed on monitors. I began to feel really odd and realized then that I was in definite peril. Up until this moment, I was floating down the big river in Egypt in my mind, denial. As a religious person, I always wondered what would, what would be on my lips at the moment I would die. I could not think of a prayer. I remember a week earlier, I was in a Bible study And the pastor was talking about the disciples in the boat on the Sea of Galilee with Jesus asleep on the bow when suddenly a storm came and tossed the little vessel around. Now these particular disciples were experienced fishermen and knew this sea and what it was capable of doing. They, putting their faith in the Son of God who was asleep in the ship with them, woke him and putting their faith and trust in him to save them from this certain peril He stood and took command over the storm, and instantly the sea was calm. I remember thinking that this event unfolding in my life right at this moment in the emergency room was a storm. And thinking about that story, I placed my faith and trust in God through his Son, Jesus Christ, to rise and take command of this storm that is prevailing in my life. Then the odd feeling came, and I realized I may be dying. The only thing I could think of 
was to praise God and glorify his son, Jesus of Nazareth. Then the lights went out. It was an incredible calm and peace that I found myself in suddenly. I was awash in a light and feeling the presence of this being. The feeling of love as if I was but a but a cup, and an ocean of love was pouring into my soul that I could not contain, yet desiring more. I remember being aware of my being in this place and a sense of expectation, waiting for the next step to take that journey. I was all consumed with the knowledge of this presence and the experience of it. Then the lights and sound came the loud, painful sound, the light that hurt my head, this feeling of nausea, discomfort, a headache, sweat pouring off my forehead along with the confusion. Where am I? What is this place? The pain of an electrical pulse going into my chest wall. Then I vomited all over the floor, releasing the contents of my stomach from that evening's dinner, the faint voice getting louder as I was coming back. Mr. Hansen, are you with us? The confusion, not knowing what was said or what was required to respond, let alone where I was. Sometime later, I realized the pain of the sound of, like a waterfall in my ears, was the blood rushing back into my ears. The blood, the life-giving blood, filling every capillary in my body, added life back into my organs, my brain my eyes, and my ears. Sometime later, I occasioned a visit back to the, to the emergency room, and with the same doctor in attendance, I asked if I died or if I just passed out. She said, you were dead, clinically dead, dead, dead. The monitors showed that you were flatline dead. The journey to the other realm was quite the unevent, if you will. It was the journey back that was traumatic. I was ticked off when they brought me back. I also realized that while I was there, I had no thought of anyone or anything here in this realm. Now I understood that scripture in the Bible where it says that the dead know nothing. We who are dead know nothing of this realm but we are completely aware of our being in the other realm. And I also understood how it is that God is able to wipe away our tears and sorrows. He, he mercifully blocks this knowledge of our loved ones we leave behind so that we don't grieve over our separation with them. But we are engaged in our relationships there on the other realm. Six months later, I had complications with my heart and went into cardiac arrest three times successfully that day. Luckily, in the emergency room, it was then they decided I needed a pacemaker. Since my trauma of cardiac arrest, I, for some reason, uh, for some unexplained reason, am able to articulate better, understand better, ace tests that I never would have been able to comprehend previously, I have achieved far more in the past five years after my death experience than all in my entire life. I received my bachelor's in counseling and doctorates in divinity. 
have my master in chaplaincy and became a chaplain with the United States Air Force, Civil Air Patrol Reserves, and will be promoted to the rank of major in December. I wrote eight books, published four so far, ran for a political office as a county commissioner, and work in the evenings as a certified nurse's aide in the cardiac unit. I have been conducting my own research here unofficially in the field of death and dying and have found a remarkable similarity with my experience and yet some who have had hellish experiences. I heard an interview by a cardiologist who researched this field of study and stated that 0.3% of patients who have cardiac arrest mysteriously recover smarter. I think I am among that 0.3%. Weird. And that is the end of Gerald's experience. Very interesting. And um, though this experience doesn't seem to have the light and tunnel and other side experience that many have, I thought it worth sharing for a couple of reasons. Um, First off, this is clearly a very Christian experience. Um, someone who is, you know, Buddhist or or um, Muslim or something like that would probably not have the experience in this manner. But clearly, this guy is Christian, and he, you know, he talked about even attending a Bible study the previous week. But I find it interesting that while he is with the uh, or in, in the emergency room and you know basically fighting for his life he and he can't even seem to come up with a prayer to say he does decide to turn it over to God to turn it over to Jesus Christ basically say I'm handing this storm that's going on right now over to you now that is of course a form of surrender. And we know from these experiences that oftentimes when somebody is in a, a dying situation, there usually comes a point where they give way, where they surrender, where they give up the fight, you might say, or they might, you might say they hand the fight over to the doctors, or they hand the fight over to God in this situation. Basically, they let go. And at that moment of letting go, seems to be, I don't know if I would say that that's the moment that they pass on, um, but I would say that that letting go is a prerequisite to moving on, unless they fight it and 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 fight it until it just gives way, until there's just no holding on anymore. And those are the people who are the fighters, I guess you could call them, the ones who fight to stay alive. And they probably experience the most suffering of, <laughs> of those who die. Not that I would encourage people to not fight for their life. I mean, you know your situation best, obviously. But um, if you're ready to go, that surrender may... Um, spare you some pain. Let's just put it that way. But it also shows that those who are willing to fight may be able to hold on long enough that they may, might be able to be saved before going into, well, before dying. And uh, those who die 
you know, it's a lot harder to come back, at least physically, for the doctors to revive you and so forth. And and you may have a choice on the other side, you may not. That seems to be inconclusive, whether people actually have a choice of whether to die or not. Because some people say they chose to come back, and others say, I chose to stay, but they wouldn't let me. So, uh, uh, you know, on the other side, they wouldn't let them. And so it definitely does seem to vary from person to person. But I just thought that was interesting that in his case, he's not giving up the fight to live, but he's surrendering the fight to Jesus. And in that surrender, he is able to move on freely. Now, it's kind of interesting the kind of uh, experience he has because he, the moment he hands it over to Jesus and surrenders... He says, then the odd feelings, or odd, odd feeling came, and I realized I may be dying. And he, at that point, is dying. And he says, it was an incredible calm and peace that I found myself in suddenly. I was awash in light and a feeling of the presence of this being. Now, he says, the feeling was of love as if I was a cup and the ocean was pouring into my cup and I couldn't possibly hold it all, even though I wanted to. So he's in this wonderful realm. Now, he doesn't describe anything that he sees, anything that he hears, but he is feeling a lot right now. And he says, I remember being aware of my being in this place and a sense of expectation, waiting for the next step to take that journey. There's that word journey. There, there seems to be, when people die, this sense of journey about it. I was all consumed, he continues, with the knowledge of this presence and the experience of it. And at that point, when he's all ready, you know, to move on to the next, um, to, to the next life, he's ready to take that journey, but then suddenly the lights come and the sound come from the hospital and he's back the sound the loud painful sound the light that hurt my head the feeling of nausea discomfort a headache sweat pouring off my forehead along with confusion where am i what is this place then the pain of electrical pulse going into the chest wall into his chest wall was that the um, paddles that's kind of what it sounds like he says, then I vomited all over the floor, releasing the contents of my stomach from this evening's dinner. The faint voice getting louder as I was coming back. Mr. Hansen, are you with us? And, you know, he's confused. He's like, what's going on? Because he'd just come from this place of absolute joy and, and acceptance and so forth. Now, another point that I wanted to make, and this is one that I don't want to say I find troubling, but... Um, some people might find it troubling is this idea that while he was on the other side and again he does not describe a place as well he describes a place he doesn't describe seeing anything and that doesn't mean he didn't he, he just didn't describe seeing anything which means which tells me that he wasn't probably fully crossed over, but he was partially crossed over. He was making that transition. And in that making of transition, he forgets his life on earth. 
He utterly forgets his loved ones, those who he left behind, and he describes it as being, you know, a, a merciful thing so that we don't mourn those we leave behind, that our memory of this life is taken. He describes it as if it is something that happens to all of us, that all of our memories of this life are taken and that when we're there we remember our life there and when we're here we remember our life here and while i can't deny what he's experiencing i would suggest that this seems to be unique i haven't come across many near-death experiences where the person is utterly unaware of this earth life. There does seem to be a clouding of memory of this life commonly. Many people will have this sense that, oh, it's okay if I move on. My kids will be fine. My husband will be fine. But they don't necessarily forget. And in fact, often on the other side, that it's their memory of this side and their concern for loved ones that makes them insist that they do have to return back. So I, I just say that because I don't want you to assume from his experience that all memory of this side is gone. I will suggest that this does offer some insight into the, uh, the potential for um, the memories of this life being dulled, if, if not taken entirely, at least for a time. I suspect if he completely crossed over... He'd probably meet loved ones and start recognizing his grandma and be like, oh yeah, my life. I just love my life. And maybe that's part of the reason also for a life review is to kind of jog that memory because perhaps, I don't know, but perhaps there's something about passing on to the next life that makes it easy to forget where we're coming from. And then a life review will jog that memory and say, don't forget, you just had this big major life and it's kind of important that you remember it. I don't know. I don't know. But it, it kind of gives an interesting perspective on that. So, uh, I, you know, as far as memory is concerned, that's another um, data point, I guess you could say, in our research, that sometimes the memory is clouded, if not completely cut off for a time. And so when he comes back instantly that he's completely jarred. Where am I? What's going on? Why do I feel terrible? What is the situation? And then it comes back. This, you know, with the returning to his body, his body has some level of memory and it probably jogs his full memory of life. Now, it's also possible that in coming back, he is, he has the memory of everything that he experienced on the other side, taken from him. I don't know. We, we can't know. He doesn't even know, obviously, because he doesn't remember anything else, at least nothing that he's explaining to us. So is it possible that he experienced more? Absolutely. Is Do we have reason to believe that that's probably the case? Well, not necessarily, but there certainly is that possibility. Anyway, very interesting. And uh, I do find it interesting also that when he comes back, this is an after effect that I, I can't say that I have heard of in this way before, which is when he comes back, he is 
stronger mentally, not just healed, you know, and, and there does seem to be some level of healing that takes place um, because he's able to get back in his life in full swing. But not only that, but he's, you might say, smarter. He's able to do better on tests that he was never able to do well on before. He's able to go on to did get a degree that that he uh, wasn't able to get before. He He's able, you know, a bachelor's in counseling, a doctorate's in divinity, which makes me think that he's also more religiously interested than he was before, more spiritually interested. It says he has a master in chaplaincy. Um, and then he joins the U.S. Air Force as a chaplain, uh, goes on to become a major. I mean, he's he's just, he's pumped with abilities that he wasn't, that he didn't have before. Whether physical or just mental is a little bit unclear, but I think with enough of um, an, uh, an addition to his mental capacities, he's able to do so much more than he was before. And he says he heard in an interview by a cardiologist, which I would love to hear this interview myself, if anybody's aware of it, uh, point me to it, um, that said that 0.3% uh, of patients who have cardiac arrests mysteriously recover smarter. And obviously he says, I seem to be among that 0.3%. Very cool. Very cool. So, if you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by either buying my book or my album. You can also go to patreon.com slash ndepodcast and, and become an ongoing monthly contributor. Uh, you can also contact me by emailing chaz at ndepodcast.org. You can email John by emailing john at ndepodcast.org. And once again, thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs>